Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Fit Podcast Network. That's twice. That's twice in 19 episodes. What's wrong with me? Uh, my name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad, or Brat and Mad at this point. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, thank you all for joining us. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> doing good from life here from the Pit Podcast thing network. <laughs> I am doing well. I was gonna oh. say it's only it's only nine fifty one. We usually don't start getting punch struck until like eleven. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, yeah. I'm I'm getting started early. Getting started real early. Uh, it's always oh. funny. You can tell you can tell when we double record because you can tell how punch drunk we are by about the second half of the last episode. Yeah, it gets a little bit of feel, don't it? Yeah, we just start getting silly and just going off on tangents. Yeah. Hopefully that's entertaining. But <clears throat> we do have a social media presence. We'd like to help it grow, and we'd like to hear from you. And so, as it turns out, we have a Facebook page, don't we, Brad? Yes, that is uh, Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners as a single word podcast. Give us a like, comment. We will um, comment back. It's all sorts of fun. All right, and uh, Matt, we got we got them Twitters too, don't we? We are on the Twitters, as the kids uh, nowadays like to call it. Uh, that would be at Podcast Four Corners. That's the capital P. That's the number four Podcast Four Corners. Uh, please send us tweets. Uh, talk to us about uh, Epico Cologne. Uh, send us fan art of Meowser Smith. Uh, all of the above. And we want to hear from you. And also, with um, with the with the banning of Alex Jones from Twitter, we are now your number one source for gay frogs. Yes. Uh, any conspiracy theory involving gay frogs, uh, we <laughs> we're the go-to. So please. I thought it was gay fish. No, that you you tweet that to Kanye West. Oh, okay. All but, right. I'm but, I'm sorry, I was confused. But we we're a highly specialized conspiracy podcast. Only gay frogs and nothing but gay frogs. Well, it's good to know that we've got a handle on that sort of stuff. <clears throat> I'm I'm glad to know we're filling a fair apparently a very important niche. Okay. Also, we have an email you can reach us at. Isn't that right, Brad? That is pitpodcast25 at gmail.com. I do not check that frequently, but I try and check in once a week. So if you don't hear back or anything, um, don't feel offended. It just means I probably haven't checked it. If you do email, I'll probably email you back eventually. And if it's yeah. if it's um if it's worthy to read on the show, I'll bring it up. I mean, if it if it's pertaining to like something you want read on the air, just um mark it as such and uh, we'll read it on the air. Or you could just write in and say, I love you guys, and you're great, and I totally won't stalk you, and we'll only be slightly concerned. So, tonight's episode is another new feature. I know that on our, our podcast, we try and do some stuff that's a little bit different with our What a, what a Maneuver episodes. I know other podcasts will do retrospectives on old pay-per-views and stuff but we're going to bring you something that's a little bit different we are going to reach and i want you to imagine 
that I am holding in front of me, the bag of holding as I reach my right and place my hand into the bag all the way down to the elbow. Because if you're familiar with the bag of holding, it takes a while to find what you're looking for in it. But we're going to see what comes out of the bag, right, Brad? Correct. And I just wanted to say, we got this idea from our friend uh, Epico Cologne, who happens to be a level 20 wizard in D&D. Oh, yes, that's right. That's our shout out. God bless. Yeah, we almost we almost didn't include the shout out there. Well, he, uh, we were getting to it. I was we were just doing it at a different <laughs> point. And uh, all right, where's my cat? At? Oh, what level get... wizard? What level wizard is he? A level 20. epic level, epic. That's a uh, oh, that's right, an epic level. That's uh, pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> Let's be fair; it's an epico level. So, epico. Um, hopefully, you won't block us on every form of social media that you you happen to spy us on. He's probably gonna Thumbs block up. us because he's like a he's like a rogue or a fighter or something. <laughs> these guys saying that I'm a wizard and a sorcerer for life. You know what I um, heard? I actually heard that Epico Cologne defeated a Tarrasque in Dungeons and Dragons. That's how incredible he is as a wizard. Nice. That's how Which that's, uh, that's, some, that's some deep that, I don't know. And that's <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you making me like just, just roll with the joke. My really Dungeons and Dragons joke. <laughs> Somebody out there got that and they had a good laugh. They were, oh, or maybe they were Seriously angry. Maybe that's what's going to spur um, emails. How dare you say? How dare you say? How dare you say? Wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. I need a different. Nah, never mind. I'm going to let that joke go. It went on long enough. So, in the bag of holding, Brad, can you give us a quick overview on the okay. bag of holding? So, what we what we've done is we've taken a number of subjects. And we've put them in the bag of holding. Some of them are wrestling-related. Some of them are not wrestling-related. What we've pretty much done is we've taken questions, ideas, and subjects that wouldn't necessarily warrant a whole episode or necessarily even a great huge conversation, but more like smaller conversations. And we've thrown them into a bag, and we're going to randomly draw subjects from this. And if you're listening to this and you want something added to the bag... You can reach out to us via email, Twitter, all that stuff, and we will add it to the bag. So this bag will just get new subjects put in it from time to time, and if we like this episode, we will do more on a, you know, sporadic basis. If you like this episode, we'll do it on a more than sporadic basis. Ah. Okay, so, Brad, tell us, what's the first thing that comes from the bag of holding? Okay, well, let's see what we have here. We have... What do you think was your favorite year of wrestling? Wow. I'm gonna need a minute. Yeah, that's fine. I I thought about the I pre-thought about this. I would go with... um, I think the two that jump out to me is um, 1989, where you had a lot of companies really having good years. Uh, the NWA in particular, WWF had a pretty strong year that year. I think even the Jap- the Japanese promotions had good years. I think that's the year the, the Triple Crown was born. And I also think uh, 1997 itself was a really strong year. Um, WCW was good. WWF had a really strong bounce back year. 
Uh, All Japan had a good year. ECW was still good. Uh, Those really jump out at me. There was... There was a year, I think it was like 2005 or 2006, where the WWE was, wasn't very good, but Ring of Honor, like TNA, and some of the Japanese companies are pretty good. But I don't remember which of those two years it was. But those would be uh, three years that pop out at me. I think I can agree with you on 97. A lot of um, interesting stuff going on in that time period on both of the big U.S. promotions. Um, Really popular, so there's a whole lot going on and a whole lot of interesting stuff going on because the competition is pushing each side to do better stuff. And, I mean, you had had three really strong matches between the the two major promotions because you had Austin and Hart um, at Mania. Then you had the first Hell in a Cell with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And then you had the Maskers title match with Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. I almost said 1998. And then I got to looking around at what was happening in 19, because 97 also had the Montreal screw job. Um, yeah. You had the beginnings of Mr. McMahon. Yeah. You, uh, I was going to say 1998 because that's when the Undertaker threw mankind 18 feet off the off the hell in a cell to complete the Reddit meme. But uh, I think 97 97 was so close to being an outstanding year, but the finish on Hogan's Sting really put a damper on it. Like yeah. that was the last big big moment of the year, and they screwed it up. You also had. Um... Luger winning the title from Hogan on Nitro. Oh, that's true. I don't remember. That was really big. I'm trying to remember what the big. Um, don't remember the big uh, All Japan match in '97 um, was. Do you remember, Matt? All Japan match in '97 was it? Was it a Kawada um, Masawa match? It might have been. Let's see. Or was it the tag match? Might have been one of the tags. Uh, which I, uh, man, was it Misawa Ak- Akiyama versus uh, Kawada Tawe? It might have been. I, I can't remember, and I'm really, I should have looked it up beforehand. I'm trying to look it up. Uh, Ace Kabashi yeah, versus I'm trying Kawada to look it up too. Tawe. I think. Mm. I think it was one of them. So I'm I'm actually going to to harken back to that Starcade for just a second because it was even screwier than the Sting Hogan thing. For this was at at a time when whenever Goldberg first got started, he wasn't necessarily doing the street gimmick first. He, he was doing the the silent, like, wins matches thing, but he wasn't doing the streak, and this featured him as a heel going over Mongo. So we were, let me look at the card, one, two, we were six matches in before a babyface won a match on that Starcade. 
See, now, I think that it was actually, there's, there is a certain logic to that, but they screwed the main event up, which made it not work. Well, it's, it's the fact that you, you get six matches in to the, basically, WCW's equivalent to WrestleMania before a babyface wins. Come on, this is the big payoff. And then, like we said, Hogan, you know, screwed it up. Um, I know that the, the blame on that gets passed around, but still, that that was that was botched in a way that almost just killed the whole the whole thing right there. I think he should. I think I think people didn't necessarily need a match out of that. They just wanted Sting to destroy him. Mm, and I think yeah, would have been fine. But also from this year, which is one of my favorite moments of wrestling um, ever, still to this day, is um, at Uncensored, Sting coming down and just attacking everyone at the end of the oh, show. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And Dusty, and Dusty being like, um, oh, crap. It was something that hell has come with him and you know, hell has come with him and brought a baseball bat or something like that. That is a great, that's a classic Dusty line. Dusty knew how to talk people in the building, but on commentary, he didn't get to do it as much. That right there, that, that's, that's a great Dusty line. The best we've got to go is just Sting giving him the Scorpion death drop as the show goes off the air. Mm, So, it was so cathartic, because you get to see a new... Um, you get to see Sting with this this new move that is it's an exclamation point. Like the Scorpion Deathlock's great, but that that Scorpion Death Drop was just a, a huge exclamation point on on dropping Hogan there, and the perfect way to debut a new finish for him. And that crowd is going like ballistic, like almost riot levels, going crazy. yeah. Some people will do some revisionist history and say that everybody was all about the NWO at that time. But if you watch this, seeing Sting, anytime Sting showed up and starts cleaning house, everybody's cheering. So, One of my other favorite ones with Sting is when Bischoff's out there alone. He's talking about how he's going to slap the paint off of Sting's face and Sting is like coming up through the ring behind him as he's saying all this stuff. Yes, he ripped his way up through the ring. That was so good. Oh man, Sting was such a badass when they were doing the early Crow stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-mm. Oh, I was gonna say I since uh, Brad mentioned it, I would I'll actually take 1989 um, as mine just because uh, WWF was really good uh, for that particular year. They had uh, they had a lot of good stuff going on. Um, but I, I actually love that year more for what was going on in the NWA because you had the uh, amazing classic series of matches between Flair and Steamboat. And then that almost seamlessly transitioned into a really amazing feud between uh, Flair and Funk, which to this day, I still love those matches dearly. Like They're just awesome matches. The, the, angle, um, the angle with... Um... Funk cha- like challenging Flair for the belt, being like, "Oh shucks, gee golly, Williker, I was just kidding." When Flair says, "You know, 
he hasn't earned it and then just pile driving him on the table and going into like crazy old man mode. Yeah, just going absolutely psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that entire year I thought was great. Uh, they had, a, it did, like, it pretty much any... You're going to have at least, like, two or three, like, really, really good movies on it. So uh, it's, you can't really ask for much more. So and Muda, that's a that's a really strong year. Great Muda coming to the Yeah, US. you got to see... Yeah, Muda coming in and Muda just being, like, a sensation. Uh, a lot of great matches he had with Sting... There was the uh, we've talked about this on the on the podcast before the the Sting um, Flair uh, versus Funk Muda uh, it was like a Thunderdome. Yeah, they loved like being playful with their weird cage match concepts, but well, I think the Thunder, Thunderdome cage match. I think Thunderdome had come. That was I think topical within Thunderdome had come out like the mid eighties. Oh, okay. It was probably uh, on I'm, TBS all the time too. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know match, about that... you guys. I'm I'm sorry. I know I'm jumping in for just a second, mm-hmm. and I know about you guys, but that's that seems to come up in my life in a lot because I I just can't get beyond Thunderdome. You don't need another hero. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm I'm just gonna let that bad joke die right there. Oh come on! I need the car crash. Cue up the Foley music. All right, go ahead, guys. Sorry. Shad, are you, in fact, just a raggedy man? <laughs> He's just a raggedy man. <laughs> you know what's funny? Because I, I just watched a lot of the 89 TV within the last year, and Muda mm-hmm. actually get, starts getting face cheers within weeks of debuting. Because Oh, because... Go ahead, yeah. Because they... Because, I mean, those NWA crowds are work are work rate crowds. Like, he starts doing that crazy stuff, and they start cheering for him yeah i was gonna say like you didn't have anyone like him at that time doing the stuff that he was doing so i remember even when i was like a kid watching it who i was i wasn't i was still you know firmly in into kayfabe or wanted to leave in kayfabe so i knew he was the the quote-unquote bad guy but he was just so awesome that you kind of you developed like a respect for him even as a even as a kid, I, I just knew like he was tremendous, and I was always excited about uh, all those matches. So, yeah, uh, Muda. That's uh, that Thunder Dome match again. We've we've kind of like talked about it before, but that's one of the I think only instances where Flair and uh, Sting t- uh, teamed up together, where <laughs> Flair didn't immediately turn yeah. on Sting. This it yeah. also was a key year for the NWA because that is the year they moved to center stage. From Techwood. Hmm. Yeah, that just uh, that was a great year. Um. So yeah, I would I I would choose uh I would choose eighty nine. I think that's a good choice. Hmm. All right. So nice consensus. What next comes from the bag of holding? Okay. Let's see what we. Have. I really want to. Get an echo effect for saying that. Okay, this one is uh, Simpsons or South Park. Matt, would you like to go first? You know, I'm going to go... Well, this is tough because they've actually both... South Park has been on the, the air for like 20 years too, right? Yeah, I think it's I think... season 21. Yep. 
So, I, I this is a difficult question. I, I think the, because I think go ahead. I think the difficulty for me is Simpsons was better at its peak in that like season two to eight area, but South Park mm-hmm. has been consistently good for twenty years with maybe not the same high, so it makes it difficult to um, decide. That's, yeah, that that'd be kind of where my difficulty lies because I feel. South Park as a whole has remained fairly consistently good and they've they've done that while it's still remaining consistently topical uh, whereas Simpsons like I I basically stopped I watching Simpsons with any sort of regularity like years ago I tried to watch um, I think the Simpsons and Futurama crossover and it was unwatchable Yeah it's a uh, I mean, everything's been done basically on that show. It, it it hasn't it hasn't held up well. But I would say that in its peak years, um, and that would maybe even be generous and, and extend it beyond just seasons two through eight, maybe a little bit longer, maybe like through season ten. Um, I I actually argue that The Simpsons during that period was some of the best TV like of all time. Like I, I think it was just hitting on all cylinders. It was just so funny. Like it's so good. Like I, so I'd probably, I guess I would probably give the edge to Simpsons over South Park just because of that. But that's tough. I, I think Simpsons, Simpsons overall probably has a greater, uh, has carved more of a cultural niche than than South Park. And I don't know if that's because it's all, it's been on so long, and also when it was during its heyday you didn't have as many animated primetime animated programs like uh, that are kind of available now. I think people that are younger also don't realize like there was about a three year period where the Simpsons were gigantic. That's true. I, that's kind of where and we're probably dating ourselves because how long has Simpsons been on the air? 89 was the Christmas special. Well, they, they predate that because they were on the Tracy Ullman show for a couple years before that. So probably like 87. Uh, wow. So they've been on the air. Wow. So they've even like the first, let me see. Let me look this up really quickly. The first season, the Christmas special aired in like around Christmas of 89, but they were on the Tracy Ullman show. Not counting the Tracy Ullman show. Okay. 89, 90 was the first season. So if you're so Wow. So almost 30 years just as a standalone show. Uh, Wow, that's 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 we're kind of dating ourselves because I I do remember when I was a kid like watching The Simpsons, and it was huge as like first few years, um, and now we have there are probably millennials out there who there's they've been alive and there's never been a time where Simpsons hasn't been I, on I, the air in a primetime show. I will date myself even more. I remember when The Simpsons used to be on Thursday night. You know, I don't I don't remember when it was on Thursday nights. It was. I it was, was alive like, during that time. I just never paid attention to that. It was like during the. It was probably up until the late '90s, or went mm-hmm. back around like '97 or something. Well, I definitely remember uh, back in the day when the the Treehouse of Horror episode was always like a this big thing yeah. that you would all you would always like watch. If you watched nothing else, you would watch that episode and then talk about it with your friends. And now I'm sure they still do it, but who 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 cares? I almost want to say who cares, but I don't, 
I don't know. I, I, again, I haven't watched the show in in years with any sort of frequency. I guess the last time I was kind of watching it was uh, when they put the movie out, which I thought was uh, decent, but that was also just a just kind of a long form episode. Yeah, this says um, they were on Thursdays until the ninety. They 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 were on Sunday for the first season, <clears throat> and then seasons two through five were on Thursday, and then they moved to Sundays mm. and on out. Uh, I'll say that the uh, the I would say the South Park movie is better, far far better oh, than the yes. Simpsons movie. The Simpsons. I'm movie surprised they was... haven't done a. Well, on that same, I want to jump in real quick. Mm-hmm. I never got into The Simpsons. Uh, oddly enough, never never really happened. But I watched South Park from the beginning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> South Park has had some bad games. There was the South Park N64 game. Yes. Which could, I could always get to the end to fight Super Mega Mega Man, but I couldn't ever put him away because he's a dirty cheater and there's no way to stop him from flying back to recharge his health. But they have created two excellent RPGs in. Um, now I'm going to forget that. But the two Stick most of recent truth stuff. And Stick of Truth. Yes, they are both excellent. RPG games. So yeah. I am I actually, firmly I, on the South Park side on this. Oh, I actually just recently uh, played Stick of Truth and uh, beat that game. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I I, I have um I've owned Fracture but was it Fracture but not whole? Fracture, Fracture but whole. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fra- I, you know, okay, I didn't actually put it two and two together. Because, because they couldn't put it, it on the way, shelf Fracture with it saying yeah, they couldn't put it on the shelf where it said fractured butthole. So, okay, yeah, um, yeah, I, I own that. I haven't played, had a chance to, to play through it yet, but it's it's actually top quality. Like the Stick of Truth, like that was just a great game. So, I think the yeah, I don't think you're... are a better concept than the um, the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah, they're, I think it probably is. Good. But I mean, the they're... the the coon could carry probably his own series. <laughs> just just y'all are listening if you haven't played them go play it it's yeah. a boatload of fun. and um, yeah the, the movie as well it sounds like a dying giraffe <laughs> <laughs> I that's actually a great musical just uh, on its own merits too surprisingly isn't it yeah. well I mean they were in the running for best original musical composition for uh, Oscar well don't you remember uh, they spent like the whole next season just trashing Phil Collins as an awful human being on the show because he beat them for the Oscar yeah and and here's the the story I love about that is all of them were supposed to be performed live but they're like we'll perform all of them except the South Park one and they're like come on guys are you going to be that way and they're like well I'll tell you what we'll do We'll just we'll let we'll have Robin Williams do it, and he can he can set it up. And uh, Stone and Parker were like, "Cool, we're we're good, we're good with that." And I remember, I remember Robin Williams out there leading everyone in Blame Canada, marching around, and it was so much fun to watch. I am still seeing songs from that, like to myself sometimes. If I'm not. If every now and then, what would Brian Boitano do pops up in my head? Mm. 
So there's a funny story about that. So when it, when the Simpsons movie came out, I saw at a local theater that on Saturday nights does a double feature that you can't have double features anymore. So they played the Simpsons movie, and then after that, they played the South Park movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, I actually thought the Simpsons movie was surprisingly good. Not, like, great, but it was better than I thought it was going to be at the time. I would agree with that. But the South Park movie is better. But I think... um, I think for me personally, it is a hard choice because South Park has been like a consistent part of my life for 20 years. But Simpsons was very instrumental in um, developing my sense of humor. We're kind of losing you. Uh-huh. And um, so I would put the Simpsons up there with Mystery Science Theater 3000 is shaping my, shaping me as a human being. <laughs> That's uh <coughs> That's a segue, but of sorts. But here's a here's a related question: Are you more of a Mike guy, or are you more of a Joel guy? Okay, so that's tough because I think I like Joel as an on-air character more, but um, I haven't been interested in the new show because Mike's not writing it. Because Mike seems like he is the voice behind the show, and if you watch something like Riff Tracks versus um, the the original cast, I think it's like Cinematic Titanic or something. The one that the like the original cast does that Mike doesn't write for is not as good as Rift Tracks because Mike's writing is so tight and works so well. The Rift Tracks for the original Matrix movie is one of my favorite viewing experiences of all time. I don't think I've seen that one. I, I get a lot of like the their VODs because they they are they are really funny. Yeah, check out the Matrix one. It's it's worth the time. So we'll go into that side topic real quick. So, who are either of you guys a Joel or a Mike guy? I'm. Uh, I started watching uh, MST3K when it was Joel, so I'm kind of more of a Joel guy because that's kind of how I started, and uh, my um, allegiances were kind of thrown that way. But I'm I'm, I'm not like a bitter Joel person versus a Mike guy. I am not firmly in either camp. You know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that concerned about it. I have heard stories about a movie that featured the cast, the original cast from mystery science theater as actors in it. And it's awful (laughs) because they don't do wacky stuff. They are, they're wanting these people to play it straight. And so, like, Joel is is playing this, uh, he's playing the captain. They, they, like, discover this wormhole. And they're like, we're going to go through. And the guy at the console's like, oh, no, it seems like it's not what we expected. We're going to die. And it, it cuts over to where he's sitting in the captain's chair and goes, well, looks like that's about it for us. For God's sake, don't send any more spaceships. I don't. And I'm like, hmm. I don't think I've no. seen that, unfortunately. Um, I'd have to go dig up more information about it, but I, I just will, I will say I think one of the reasons I like Joel better is his more adversarial relationship with the bots than Mike, because Mike's a, Mike's an immature child like the bots are, where Joel is more this parental figure that's trying to do like fun activities and make like the bad movies fun, and the bots just uh, foil him at every turn. Mm. And also. Okay. Underrated great movie is the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. 
I haven't gotten to watch it yet. They do uh, this Island Earth. It's it's a quality flick. Okay. Okay. So bag of holding. We need like a sound <laughs> drop for this. Okay, let's see what we have. That's what I mean. Is I want to I want to get I want to get that phrase, but with like an echo effect behind it or something. Oh, okay. This one. This is going to be a quality conversation. What Uh-oh. angle was worse, Katie Vick or May Young giving birth to a hand? <laughs> I have not slammed my microphone on the desk and walked away. I'm expressing great restraint. You want to? Okay. Which was worse? I give. I say Katie Vick is worse, and here's why. It went on longer. It also. It this was also part of the. Kane losing his mask angle, which mm-hmm. so just robbed all the gravity out of that. Like, how am I supposed to take it seriously that all this is going on when you just had the Katie Vick angle as well? And then he shocked Shane McMahon's balls. And lit JR on, yeah. uh, on fire, I believe. Yeah. I bet JR and- segment was hilarious, though. Honestly, I, I kind of laughed at him doing that to Shane, too, because maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, it's supposed to be like this intense moment, and I'm I'm laughing at it because it was, it was dumb. It was real dumb. So was it – who caused the um, – who caused the injury – was it D- – no, what wasn't D-Lo because he did that to Terry Reynolds. Who did the – who caused the injury to Mae Young that caused her to, like, suddenly give birth to a hand? Was it the Dudleys? Um, maybe. Maybe. I have managed to not remember a lot of this, the stuff around that. Um, I know it was this was in Mark Henry's sexual chocolate phase. Yes. Which was just so weird. And also, incidentally... The the great entrance music when um yeah this was since you brought up the D'Lo and Terry thing that was also another Russo creation except it was completely in bad taste and I think it was something it's about um because I mean for God's sake don't take something like that and just be like oh that'll be a good angle don't no. There's a line. Don't be that guy. And the May Young thing was just so stupid that everyone just kind of moved on. Yeah. It also May Young thing also followed the um, China introducing Mark Henry to her friend. Oh, so God. and Who? just we're gonna leave it at that. Why did you know that? I forgot they did this. Do you know they? The Dudleys powerbombed her off the stage through a table. May Young? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't remember the circumstances of it. I knew they did it, but I didn't remember, like, it wasn't in the ring or what. I have to say, I know she was well into her 70s during that WWE run, but man, she bumped like a champ. The story I heard is that the Dudleys were all concerned about her getting hurt, and she just looked at him and said, "Are you gonna do it or not, you wimp?" Well, I mean, I mean, she, I mean, have you heard the stories about her and her youth? Uh. Uh-uh. 
that she used to pick up Johns like in the forties and then rob them and beat them up. <laughs> what? Wow. No, I didn't hear any of that. Yeah, that's that's uh that's her younger years. <laughs> wow. I used to have a, I think it was a copy of PWI that did a retrospective on women through the course of wrestling history, but they didn't mention any of that. No. Um, I didn't stop watching wrestling because of the hand, but I did. I did. Uh, I don't think my fandom has quite ever recovered from the Katie Vick storyline. It didn't make your cut out from too much. That was. That also was Katie Vick also gave rise to the uh, the honk, which oh god Triple H is trying desperately to make his fake laughter sound real. Yeah. So Matt, what uh, what horrific uh, one do you think was worse? It was worse because there it it went on long, and Mark Henry was in a silly gimmick at the time. So yeah, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I would. I would agree with you. Katie Vick was just, it, they played it off bigger. It was, so I would, I would give the edge to that. And, and that's, I, I, it's been years. It did go, it did seem to go on for just hours. Yeah. Way too long. The video, the video, mm-hmm. the video of I after brains out is probably the worst thing they've ever done. Okay. Are you ready to hit the bag up again? I guess you friend. So. Okay. Let's see here. We'll need to. Let's see. In. In the idea of kind of. Going along with bad angles. What's, what's another really bad angle that's kind of stuck in your mind? A bad angle that's stuck in our mind? Hmm. I think. Uh, Triple H taking how about the, two minutes uh, to pin Booker T at WrestleMania. Oh my god. Oh, that, that's, that is a bad one. And not just that, but the entire... for the title the most blatantly race ways of like explicitly race with basically saying like the reason you're not working is because of uh you know you yeah. know people like you i think you said you people with that without bringing into it is one thing you can't have an angle build like that and then have the face lose. You can't do that. The next item from the bag of holding. Okay, what is your favorite fast food chain? Matt, you go first. Yeah, and I said that this is difficult without like narrowing it down because you could go, you could go like just burgers, you could go sandwiches, you can go uh, specialty. Um, if you want to break it down, that's fine, but I really want to hear an overall choice. Let's say overall. Let's, let's say you're stranded. 
in a strange place and you see the you, this is the one place you saw you would stop there and eat no matter what uh even though i don't eat there that often um i'm i'm gonna go with i'm just gonna go burgers and i'm gonna go five guys oh man good choice that's that's actually what I was going to say. That's a great five guys, I feel. I'm, now, this is going to cause some controversy, but I say five guys, the superior burger chain in the United States of America. Don't give me this in and out crap. I've had in and out. It's not that great. It's okay. <laughs> I've never, I've never I had even, in and out. I'm, I'm even going to wage, this is going to spark some controversy as well. I would even say in and out, not even as good as Whataburger. Uh, from the Texas region, from the South. Man, and a lot of people at- are going to be upset about that, but Five Guys, I think, superior. Five Guys, they give you two burger patties. They're delicious. And they give you fries that are... They, they give you a ponderously large amount of fries, which is what I want. I want yes. so many fries that I have to share them with um, my friend or my wife, wherever I'm going with. I have to share them with the larger community because it's just too much for even two people to eat. That's what I, I don't want. know. I, I agree with your reasoning. I also like that you have put the gauntlet on the ground, but I don't know what you're talking about about <laughs> sharing fries. Those are my fries, and y'all can back off. You know what? You know what the best part Fair. about their fries is? It's taking everything out of the bag, tearing it down, dumping all the fries in, dumping a shit ton of vinegar in there, and just shaking that bag up and plopping it down vinegar. between you and the wife and going to town. I, I have some family that does this vinegar thing, but but no, sir, no, sir, I can't, I can't do that. That's I can't do the vinegar thing. Why not? But it's never great. tried that. It's great on fries. No, especially no. if you get some fish and chips, getting some vinegar on the on the fish and the the chips. It's great. No, sir, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do that. I can't. That's that's just no. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Sadly, since uh, sadly since I lost all the weight, I don't really eat there much anymore because it's not calorie friendly. But I do love Five Guys. Did we all just like spontaneously agree on Five Guys out of this? I didn't. Is it wasn't. It wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. The only the only other one that I would say that I love going to is Culver's. We do have a Culver's less than. Three or four miles from my house. I have never been. I I don't even know what they serve. It's a a typical fast food like fare, except they cook it up fresh. So like, if you want a grilled chicken sandwich, you're not going to get a dried out piece of crap like at Wendy's. Mm. You're going to get all the all the burger toppings are fresh too. And then they do they don't do ice cream. They do frozen custard. Yep. And um, they charge entirely too much for it, and my wife is glaring at me at the moment. But but the Oreo concrete mixer is amazing. You can really taste the concrete. Yes. It seemed looking it up. This seems to be mostly like a Midwest uh, franchise. I would be shocked if it exists outside of Ohio and Kentucky. It does look like there are some. Uh, it has some southern penetration. But <laughs> perhaps the <that> phrasing. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna throw some wrestling trivia at, the, at you for this, and I have no idea why I know this, but Culver's Maria Canellis's favorite place to eat. 
Really? Wow, how'd that or come up? It's on the road. I every now and then I'll sit down on YouTube and I'll go through where people they're like you shoot samples and stuff, and there was just a series of questions that he fired off at her, and that was her answer. It's good. I, I enjoy it. Now I will say since I um I don't eat a lot of fast food now since I lost all the weight, but the one place I will not eat here it is not the best. But it is the one I avoid because it is a bag of worms. I stay far, far away from McDonald's. Uh, you know, that's fair. But I will I will say that, to, in my opinion, uh, the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit is not only one of the best uh, fast food breakfast items in existence. It might be my favorite uh, fast food food item out of any potential it, fast food it items. It's like delicious. I do love those. Yeah. Their hash browns are good too actually. Yeah, they actually are pretty tasty. I'm with yeah. you that I don't I I'm sorry to cut you off, Chad. I I, I um since I lost weight a lot like years ago and I tried to basically eat healthy. I I rarely eat fast food. But uh, I do love the bacon egg and cheese biscuits. So once every blue moon I'll get that. Once every when... once every blue moon if I'm going to go to McDonald's, I will treat myself to their um maple and fruit oatmeal which is delicious Hmm. well since we're in the Jim Cornette portion of this podcast um, if if I'm going to be picking up breakfast somewhere like my my second runner if I'm not going to pick five guys it would probably end up being Hardee's but if I'm going somewhere for breakfast I'll go to Hardee's because I feel like they have the best hash browns McDonald's doesn't bother me at all you know Part of it is McDonald's has some of the best unsweet tea of any place I can go to because it's consistently good. Second, funny story, true story, uh, from where I used to wrestle, my usual thing to do after the show was over and I'm driving home and I'm starving and I eat is to get a value meal of chicken, chicken McNuggets because I could drive and in the car by myself, drive and eat that without spilling anything on myself. Have no concern about that because it was all dry and, you know, you don't get sauce on it. You don't get some a drink with sugar in it. The calorie count's actually not that bad. So it, it has a soft spot in my, I guess, cholesterol-jammed heart if I'm going to. I don't, my cholesterol's not actually bad, but it's it's not funny to say that, so. Yeah. I um I also because it is one of the few fat, fast food places I still eat at because they are calorie friendly. Uh, most of the people listening and you guys probably haven't heard of it or eaten there, but uh, Raising Cane's also has a um, special place in my heart. Oh yeah, no, it, <laughs> another place I've not not really heard of. Raising Cane's only does fried chicken, and uh, it's not it's not even KFC. It's chicken fingers. The Raising Cane's in my town is right behind the Culver's in my town. <laughs> pretty, oh, there you pretty go. Much, pretty much what you do, Matt, is you drive up. You you have – your option is how many chicken fingers you want with your Texas toast, French fries. Oh, and, and um, your drink. Coleslaw, which who cares about the coleslaw? Just get an extra piece of toast. They have a They have like a phrase for that. So yeah, that's and then they have like this kind of pepper sauce that goes with the chicken fingers. It's delicious. It is. I and do, they also I do like chicken fingers amusing. a lot. They say oh. something amusing when you roll up like what's kicking want some chicken. Yeah. They don't say, Welcome to Cane's, can I take your order? 
Hmm. What's kicking? Want some chicken? It's it's like an Arkansas-based company, and it, it's um, I think it's mostly in the South, and it's kind of in the Midwest, but I, it's not everywhere. Let me ask you this, because I don't know if it's in your area, but uh, have either of you ever been to uh, Shake Shack? No, it's not here. Hmm. I think they. I, I think would if, almost. I would almost accuse you of making that up. Almost. No, I, I know that because Obama ate. Like Obama was there <laughs> all the time, wasn't he? Yeah, it's it's it didn't start in D.C., but it has like a it, there's a lot of locations in D.C. and it's actually very popular. And some people like swear by the burgers. The burgers are not bad. I actually think the best thing they have there they actually have like a chicken sandwich, which is actually pretty good. Um, and they have crinkle cut fries, which I do enjoy. But uh, the problem, and they have really good they do have really good milkshakes. Um, but it's just it's kind of overpriced in my opinion. It's one of those places where. Like again, Five Guys is kind of this way, but I feel you get a lot of you get a lot for your money at Five Guys, especially oh, like yeah. you get the fries. Um, but it's one of those places where it's like you just get like a burger and it's like eight bucks or something, See, and it's like good, but it's like in no way is this like should I be paying this much for a, a burger that I'm gonna eat in like five six bites really? See, my yeah. problem is with uh, milkshakes, especially is um if it's not if it's not a ton better than um, steak and shake shakes, then I don't think it's mm-hmm. worth it. We're getting all over the map, aren't we? I'm surprised none of us here said like Chick-fil-A because people I, swear by that. You know, I, Chick-fil-A I, is really good. Here's my problem with Chick-fil-A. Number one, the time when I most want Chick-fil-A is on Sunday afternoon. Sunday, after yeah. Yeah. And then two, the Chick-fil-A is always so Full, I can't get in in any kind of reasonable amount of time. You know, mm. it's insane. Like, I don't feel like I don't even feel like even two or three years ago it was like that. But if we try and go like on a Saturday night, they're literally up the street, like lined up to go to Chick Fil A. Yep. And I also, I also, this is this is going a little off topic with it, but I really would be fascinated how their hiring process works because I do not know how they consistently across numerous stores find the nicest and most helpful people to staff their stores with. They do a really good job, don't they? I, I just I, don't know how they consistently pull that off. I, I would definitely put them at the top of, of chicken fast food areas. And, and that's heresy coming from someone from Kentucky, but I'll do it anyway. I did make a beeline like the last time I was in the Atlanta airport. Beeline right for the Chick-fil-A. You know it's got to be better than regular airport food. Yeah. And the Chick-fil-A okay. sauce is the best. All right. We want to do one more? Let's reach into the bag of holding one more time. Okay. Ooh, this one should be interesting. Austin or The Rock? Oh, man. Lots of dead air going on right now. I'll go first on that one. I will go, go with for Austin. It. Why would you go with Austin? Uh, better worker. Um, I liked his character better. I think he's aged better than The Rock has. Mm, in what way like his work or his work i think his personality's aged a little better because the especially like sometimes you watch old stuff with a rock he like 
Sometimes, even when he's being the face, like, he's a little too jerk-ass for me at times. Which is funny, given his, his reputation of being one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. And I, his, his ring work really hasn't aged too great. Like, there was a time where I thought he was an adequate worker. And he's okay, but, like, he's just not... I don't find him to be particularly that entertaining and like I don't know there was that run in like 2001 where Austin just had like some amazing matches with Jericho and Benoit. Mm. So so many German suplexes. And that um there was like that 3 week period where he had that Smackdown match with Benoit that was amazing and then the Jericho and Benoit versus uh, Triple H and Austin tag match, which is like a forgotten, amazing match. The Canadian Chris's versus the two-man power trip. Which I just mm. watched that. I watched that earlier this year. And man, like that crowd is just molten hot for that whole match. That is just of stuff on Raw. I think that's one of the three hottest events I can think of. The 10-man other- was probably is about as hot too i think the cactus jack the rock and too cool versus dx yeah yeah that's one of them and the third one is um and the thing is it's kind of one continuous pop from the time when austin's music hits to when foley pins the rock to win the title for the first time it's really just kind of one continuous pop going that whole time. Those are, I think, the three biggest that I can think of on Raw. Um, when Jericho <laughs> fake won the title for about three minutes. Yeah, that was. I that mean, was that was huge. big. It was. I just, I don't, I don't think it was quite as big as those other three. Um, if I'll, I'll throw my two cents in on this, the problem that I'll run into is that. We wouldn't compare these two if they didn't work with each other because they're so different. So what you had was one of them was the, the, the crazy redneck that'll fight anybody. And the other was the super cool guy that, win or lose, he was still a super cool guy. Um, so the thing, one thing that bothered me and I that that bothered me through all of the Austin era on top is because this was this was post pile driver is that at least to me Austin's matches for the most part looked the same because it was punch 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 go to the corner punch 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 shoot him off punch him in the face so he goes down shoot him off thes press punch 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 maybe Austin will go to the turnbuckles. And then do a flying punch, 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 punch. The other guy gets some offense, punch, punch, punch. Other guy gets some offense, punch, 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 fingers, stunner. And I got tired of that. I'm not ever going to say The Rock was like a technical mastermind. But it was more than, than punch, 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 which turned into the main event style for a while. And that just drove me crazy. It worked for Austin because, first of all, Austin was a cardiovascular machine and he had the charisma that him punching someone for 15 minutes straight could still be entertaining. 
But then everybody else started to do the same thing. On the other hand, The Rock would be hot and cold sometimes, is especially in the period when you know he's the the Rock would go through hot and cold stuff until he got big enough that he didn't have to care anymore and he would do basically whatever he felt like you know and like the thing with the the hurricane for example and so I can't I can't necessarily champion one. If I'm going to pull one over the other, I gun to my head, I guess I'd probably have to say Austin, but that's because I think part of The Rock's popularity is based on Austin. Uh, it's, it's kind of based on that, that wave of Austin stuff transferring over to him. But they're both like once-in-a-generation talents. They defy that term by being in around the same generation, but they're both once-in-a-generation talents. Sorry, that I went on for a while on that. No, That's I fine. Say it, though. Um, I would, I would probably choose Austin just because I'm. Overall, I do like work rate more. Um, not that he didn't have a very distinct and very captivating and entertaining character, but uh, I think if you look at his entire career overall, I think he was just he's the better worker and had a lot better matches and. Obviously, he's one of the most successful wrestlers when it comes to you know bringing in business and actually bringing people to the arenas uh, in the history of the business. So, uh, not that Rock was uh, that far behind. Like Rock, obviously, was a huge draw too. Um, but because he was kind of lesser of a worker, I'd probably rate him low. But if you want to actually talk about overall, um, I think as his as his actual like entertainment career is going on, like rock clearly I think is having like the bigger cultural impact. Cause like rock's pretty rock's been pretty huge as a movie star for a few, a few years now yeah, and doesn't like, seem, doesn't seem to be slowing down too much. Yeah. No, actually I'd say rocks picking up steam. I mean, just look at the effect he had on the fast and furious movies. Yeah. And I guess they're doing a spinoff uh, with him and Jason Statham like that's going to come out like either next year or the year after that. Um, he had like a huge movie with the Jumanji sequel. I can't believe that did a billion dollars. Wow. I didn't realize I was it had gotten that. I, over worldwide, yeah. You know, I was a little bit surprised with that, but have you have either of you seen it? No. No, I haven't. Uh, I did because uh, we we watched, my wife and I watched it with um with a friend and her daughter. Because clearly it's kind of designed more for for kids or teenagers, mm-hmm. but it was a it was a good movie in that it was entertaining and it was funny and it wasn't very offensive and you had some good chemistry between um, The Rock and uh, Kevin Hart. They've done at least mm-hmm. one film before together, so they they have actually good chemistry and uh, it was just a, it was actually pretty good. So you, and look, Rock has a tremendous amount of charisma and he was actually able to play play up that in the in the film so i think that helped he also i think the testament to how big of a draw he is right now is that rampage movie had all the earmarks of a movie that should have failed and it didn't because he was in it i um i just watched that because uh i went on vacation and we were we were flying overseas 
and that was a uh, on the flight over there that was like an in-flight movie choice so I, I watched it and that is a ridiculous movie and it's a mo- ridiculous movie to the point where it's not even be- it's not remotely believable obviously but it was also like it really strange your intelligence <laughs> but it's still it's a good it, you still had fun because it's like well it's rock and, <laughs> and being the rock I just heard like it. fighting giant monsters. I also, I have to. One other thing I have to throw in about this is, as as good as Austin is, um, he was after at least after he became Stone Cold, he was not good at being a heel at that point. Um, yeah, it just true. it didn't work. The Rock could switch back and forth like a champ, so. I you know his um I thought his I thought his it was the wrong move at the wrong time but I thought he actually held his end up of the bargain in 2001 well it's just it was mistimed See he was still so popular then that it's like well you know who wants to boo their hero um I, I still I, I I don't know. It just didn't. I don't think it worked. I, I liked him. He went a little too high concept too. Kind of doing that paranoid um, thing was a little. I think the wrong yeah. thing to go with. Okay, one thing I okay one thing I have learned is that the idea of doing clever wrestling stuff is probably not the best idea because you're going to end up with a lot of people who don't get it as cool as it could be and as much as you would want to do it because trust me it's cool and i wanted to do it but i just can't you know there's there's too many people who aren't going to get it and that's the problem yeah, it it'll it'll hurt that. I'm convinced that's what happened with the Wyatts. I'm convinced that because they were they were smarter than the people who were supposed to be writing for them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that's that's what happened with me a few times is that I was trying to be too highbrow or trying to go for something too complicated that that I could easily convey it. it you you got to watch for that. You can't assume that they're going to pick up on what you're putting down. Things that you think are subtle are invisible to a lot of people. Things that you think are glaringly obvious, people watching might think are subtle. There's there's a there's one other thing since we're talking about Rock's um, acting career, I think we need to bring up Austin's uh, acting career and being um, the in studio expert on Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. And just because we were talking about Austin moves, it reminded me of Hydra from Chikara. And he so so Matt, he was a skinny little guy and eventually he bought this big like muscle like suit that he would wear like and wrestle his matches in. Mm-hmm. And then he started coming out to uh I don't want to go to rehab by Amy Winehouse. And so then the jokes were like he was taking steroids. Wow. Um, and he used to, also he, he trivia. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, 
so he used to have a MySpace page, Hydra did, and he would write his posts. He would write posts on his blog in character, but the the thing with his character was he didn't talk. He just growled. So he would do these long blog posts that were just like rah 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 rah. Um. Uh, also, if if we really want to boil it down to Austin Rock, I think the Stunner is a better finisher than the Rock Bottom. Definitely. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, and oh God, I'm gonna lose what I was gonna say. Bit of trivia thing. <sighs> Never mind, it's gone. I thought uh, the I thought the Thez Press was a very great transition move to get him back on offense because. It always, he always knew when to time that to pop the crowd when he'd come off the ropes like he was about to, like where he was getting beat up and he'd just catch the guy with it and start pounding on him. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a, it, it was a good, good piece to have in his, in his repertoire for that, especially as limited as he got. I remember my trivia thing. Check this noise out. Steve Austin also had never had a really bad gimmick name in his career. The Rock had one of the worst I've ever heard. Because in the USWA, he was, and he came up with this name himself, he was Flex Kavana. Yes, and he had, like, the flat top haircut. There's stuff, there's clips of it on YouTube. Yeah, so... I'm curious now, I want to see if Steve Austin ever had a bad one, like, in the USWA. I thought he was Steve Austin from the get-go. Yeah. Because uh, his real name is Steve Williams. And they're like, well, we can't call you that. So they... Well, Let's so... I, don't get me wrong. Both those guys are amazing. I just... If that's going to be the decision, then I've... Uh, you know, Austin was part of the catalyst of, of changing the landscape as well. Because you had the rise of Austin happening around the same time as the rise of the NWO and the rise of DX. So, you know. Have you guys ever listened to Austin's podcast at all? I have. You know what strikes me about him is that he is just a nerd, like when it comes to wrestling. Yeah, he got a crazy good memory on that stuff. Like when he had Scott Hall on, and they're just like, "Who whose drop kick do you like?" And they're just going over these guys. Yeah, he's just crazy recall on this stuff. Um, incidentally, favorite drop kick for me is AJ Styles. Mm. I think Bob Holly would be mine. I like listening to uh, to Austin's podcast just because. You realize that none of this redneck stuff is uh, a gimmick. That's just who he really is. Um, no, he's but it's enjoyable too. It yeah, it, it's actually enjoyable in a way too because my family um, is originally from the South, so he'll say certain things, like he'll say different phrases, or he'll he'll like use words that are. It's like it's really kind of like Southern colloquialisms, and but it's like it makes me smile because like ah because uh. Like I'm from like DC area, so we'll say like, "Oh, I need to grab my wallet, like wallet." But uh, in the South, it's more like billfold. So it'd be like, "I left my billfold uh, in the car," and I'm like, "Ah, that that kind of like warms my heart." It's like using these like Southern and uh, like idioms. 
I'm going to be honest with you. In my mind, a wallet and a billfold, similar but not the same thing. True. I considered a billfold to be more like a checkbook that a guy carried. Or it had a checkbook in it. But maybe that's just me. I also would say, um, other than Jim Cornette, he probably still has the best um, podcast hosted by a wrestler or wrestling personality. Austin? Yeah. It's interesting. You put that ahead of Talk is Jericho? Yeah, I don't like Talk is Jericho that much. Mm, okay. I've listened to some of his stuff. Um, and it's really... You gotta have to... He has to have like, the right guess. He's not bad, true. but... He's kind of an obnoxious human being, whereas Austin's like a very down to earth. He can be. He can. Yeah, Jericho can be obnoxious. Like he again, if he has like the right guests, it, it's yeah. fine. Jericho um, if can he, be very good at getting a good guest, like getting them to continue a line of thought. Austin and better. ask questions about. It. I, think, I listen to a podcast. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say Austin's better at disarming people, but when you're listening to stuff like Austin's like that guy where you're just like, you know what? Like, I bet he'd be cool to hang out with, and he'd be very inviting if you like walked up to him. Whereas Jericho, you're kind of like, yeah, you're kind of a douche. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I I struggle with, I struggle with what I think of what the the personality Jericho seems to portray at times versus Austin, who seems much yeah, more friendly. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he he can be obnoxious because he's trying. I don't know if if he's trying to be like cutesy or something, but sometimes he'll be like talking and he'll be like he'll throw these weird accents on words, and it's yeah. like, oh, you know, you're not the right AJ, and it's like he means trying to say age or something like that, and it's like, why why did you do that? I'm that, I'm convinced was that supposed to be funny? Yeah, I'm it, it's convinced just kind of grating that Jericho is still in gimmick when he does his podcast. I think like, he's half in gimmick, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm convinced. Whereas Austin's like, hell yeah, I'm Steve Austin. Let's go ahead and talk about some shit. I think, but sometimes they'll sometimes they'll have good stuff. Like I, I listened to one that's is an old one. It's probably like at least a year old. But he had uh, Eli Roth on, and it literally was like an hour and a half of them just talking about old horror movies, and that was actually pretty cool. Hmm. I also Austin's also much more self-deprecating than Jericho is, which helps me mm-hmm. a lot. Oh yeah, that's that's fair. And um, Austin is interesting to me to listen to him talk about things because you can tell he's reflected a lot on his life, and he he much more than a lot of guys will readily admit when he was being a douche or like things he regrets. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Like I think he talks about the first Lesnar thing, and I think he explains his reasoning, but he's kind of like, you know, I probably did the wrong thing there. Or, like, I think when he talks to, like, Holler Nash, he's kind of like, you know, like, I was in a bad place. I was just being a ass. Um, well, I mean, he's at a point where he doesn't have anything else to prove. Whereas, yeah, if Jericho is still in gimmick and working, it's a little bit different. But, but my favorite wrestling podcast is the Four Corners podcast. <laughs> I should add, uh, I should add that. While I'm sitting here, that it's my favorite wrestling pot. That'd be kind of. I was gonna say that wouldn't make a lot of sense. What <laughs> other wrestling podcasts you listen to? Okay. So, all right. Well, guys, do do we? Uh, uh, we've been through the bag of holding pretty good. So, what do you think? Are we? 
Do you think that about wraps us up on it? Yes, I like this as a episode concept. I think it worked well. All mm-hmm. right. Well, then we'll take everything else and we'll shove it back in the bag of holding because Lord knows when you dump it in there, you don't know what's going to come out. But we want to thank you. Uh, this has been the Four Corners Podcast. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. We'd love to hear from you. Social media, email, um, don't stalk us, please. Uh, this is Shad with Brad and Matt. Thanks for joining us. Y'all have a good night. <laughs>